Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Stand By Your Band. I am Tom Takar, the Wolf of Dog Street, here for another week, joined, as always, by the Prince of Snarkness himself, Tommy McNamara. How are you, pal? You know, I'm doing well. I had the uh, experience of bombing in a family Easter Zoom chat yesterday, so I had to deal with that. I had to, I unmuted my microphone to say a joke, and it totally bombed, and I just muted myself again <laughs> and let everyone else catch up, so I had that going on. That's uh, nice. But other than that, that's the worst uh, type of bomb is the family bomb. Oh, uh, you know, it, it's not a good feeling at all. And also it's been uh, like today was like pouring rain in New York. I had to get groceries. My umbrella broke. It was, it's been a bit of a mess. Yeah. But uh, other than that, is, doing well. I don't think that one umbrella in New York is functional. I don't think there's, there's a, a single umbrella that's working <laughs> full speed in New York City. I've never yes, had no. one if, if they exist. I, have you ever done this? I picked up an umbrella just on the train many times that it. There's no one on the train, so clearly somebody left it for good. And then I quickly realized as soon as I open it a week later, it's broken, and there's a reason it was there. The used umbrellas are never they're never going to turn out the way you want. No, but even the ones I don't know. You can buy an umbrella for three dollars at a at a bodega. You still feel like an idiot, you know. <laughs> yep. Let's uh, let's introduce our guest for this week. We're super excited uh, to to bring uh, to bring this person on because we're both huge fans this week we have the one and only the podcast legend jimmy pardo <laughs> uh hello fellas uh by the way I, I i'm on board i think used umbrellas is a great fantasy baseball team <laughs> uh i'm on, by the way i'm on board with something i just said i don't i really, <laughs> what an awful sentence that was hey guys i'm on board with what i'm about to tell you <laughs> Jimmy, we're so excited to have you on. I wanted to say before we got too much into it, you have one of my favorite music jokes I've ever heard in my life. I would is, like um, to hear what that joke is because I like to hear when I've been funny. <laughs> I, I might butcher the way you said it, but I saw I was at a Never Not Funny live show. I yes, think sir. it was the 500th episode at UCB, one of the UCBs. And the guest said that they had seen Bjork at Carnegie Hall. And you said, who are you guys there to see? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I laughed so loud that multiple friends told me they heard my laugh on the recording because I like went uh, nuts. Uh, first of all, that's a good joke. Hey, I'm on board with that joke. <laughs> I think that's a that's a good joke, and more people need to really come around to my thought the, my thought process. Hey, I apologize for asking this now on the air, and then uh, I should have asked it before we started. Uh, is this also video or is it just audio? Just it's audio. just audio that we're going to use. So we're just yeah. the video is just for us to enjoy each other's yeah, uh, yeah, faces. Exactly. Great. Okay. Uh yeah we yeah then I'm out is, uh, I only do video <laughs> I just only video see, no uh, audio <laughs> I wanted <laughs> you to see what my apartment looks like so that was kind of my plan <laughs> as I said before we started uh, are you in your childhood uh, bedroom and it is uh, my thirty year old bedroom <laughs> who now is that uh, I can't see clear enough is that Chris Bryant that is Chris Bryant in the oh, big that, framed I'm, uh, I'm mm-hmm. very impressed with my uh, uh, good eyesight. Of uh, of stances, I guess that would be. Is that your now that, is that your favorite player, Tommy? You know, he was definitely my favorite player on that World Series team. I was huge on Chris Bryant. Uh, is, I probably like Javi Baez now better. I was going to say I think Javi Baez is probably my favorite right now. Jimmy, You're a Cub you guy too, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Cubs man myself too. I'm from right. Indiana, so it was either Cubs 
Reds or Reds or uh, Cardinals for people who are in Indiana for the most part. Nobody's really White Sox fans in Indiana that I know. Even uh, what about like uh, in the Gary, Indiana area? Isn't it? Uh, that's, White probably, Sox territory, that's probably maybe? White Sox country, but we don't talk about Gary in, in okay. this household. <laughs> because of Michael Jackson? Is that why we're? <laughs> yeah, we're too proud. <laughs> yeah, don't even bring it up. Don't even after what that. All right, no funny there. After Guy what the media off. did to him, we don't bring <laughs> it up. The media. Listen, it's the media is awful. Media. My president tells us that on a regular basis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally couldn't go here. three minutes without me saying that. I apologize. I, hey, we're a, we're a pro 45 uh, podcast. <laughs> I think that you know that. <laughs> do, I, do I didn't know that. But I'm glad to hear it, though. I'm thrilled that you guys have like thoughts. Maybe we could turn the video on and have you endorse our president. Then we can turn it back off. Well, you were wearing the hat. I, th- I assumed that's why you wanted the video on. <laughs> I, want, I want people to see my MAGA hat. Yes, of course. They can't hear it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but they'll hear my racist thoughts and just assume I'm wearing it soon. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yep. You keep calling it the Chinese virus. Oh <laughs> it makes it very clear how you feel. How, how is that different than if I say Chinese food? Everything about it's different. <laughs> not a thing about it that's not different, you jackass. Jimmy, how, have you, found, um, how have you found, before we get into it, how have you found Zooming podcasting? Like Zoom podcasting, how's that gone for you guys? As well as this, you know, if, if, yeah. if when you're with the right people, it's a it's a good conversation. Uh, luckily, we have not uh, we boy, we've done like eight, I think now, uh, wow. with with Zoom, and you know we've got uh, all four of us in a different location plus a guest, so we got five in different locations, and so you know obviously there's some talking over each other sometimes, but uh, so far so good, you know. You guys have done maybe the best of it with the delay because I feel like a lot of podcasts have that delay, and I, there's nothing it seems like you can do about it. But for whatever reason, uh, you guys have done so so far consistently a great job. One of my favorite podcasts of all time was the one you guys put out last week. The uh, the Marin and uh, Marin and Pardo together, man. So good. What, uh, a, what a great matchup. You know what, uh, Mark was. Um uh surprisingly humble and kind <laughs> um, i gotta say that it was pretty crazy that robert klein talk was pretty pretty wild him coming out so i mean it's not it felt like old Marin, right like just for a second and and why take a swipe at klein of all people like uh uh but i thought was right on was, the way out uh, it's been 10 years I mean, he has not been on the show in 10 years yeah, when you said that, I was shocked because it was, uh, I know you originally it was like, yeah, maybe it has been a few years. And then, yeah, it's from the almost the beginning of the show. It's crazy. Yeah, it was the 2000, well, I guess it would be 10 years ago if I don't understand how the calendar works, 2010 <laughs> then, I guess. Uh, episode 610 is when he was on. I, for some reason, that's stuck in my head. But yeah, it's been a while. And uh, anyway, uh, I'm, anyway, uh, I'm glad that you guys uh, enjoyed that. Although, quite frankly, only Tom said he did. Tommy, I just assume. I, Tommy I emailed Tommy and said that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. Uh, but it was I nice. It was nice to that. talk to to Mark. I guess he uh, uh, is on TV now. We wish him <laughs> it was nice to kind of not. To, we're not going to talk too much about about Marin on this, but it was very interesting to hear and almost refreshing that he's still so angry about other people's success. Yes, right. And because he, by all, for all practical reasons, he's done it. He won. Yeah, he's. Right? Uh, you said it yourself. Five hours. What more can you have now? Right. But man, I mean, but I, in fairness, of those hour specials, forty-five minutes of him getting up and down from a stool. So I mean, that takes time. <laughs> that is that is most of it, and he makes a lot of noise. He's getting up there in age. I like how he called himself middle-aged. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, he's older than I am, and I would not call myself middle-aged. I'm not going to live to be one hundred and ten. 
I'm not 55, by the way. I'm not 55. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not aged 55, and I certainly can't drive it. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you because obviously it's it's funny how it's already getting. I think maybe boring to people to have people ask them how they're doing or what they're doing during quarantine. But uh, nonetheless, I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> I, 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 I am on board with my own question. Yes. Uh, and the question is, I, I, the question is, uh, what are you doing to keep saying during this? I know you guys are putting out content and stuff still, but we're doing that. You know, I, I, I think I said it on this week's show. Like I literally get depressed when we're done recording because it's like, well, there goes that. Yeah. That, time, I, that time's the over thing the same thing when we're done with this me and tommy often linger for a few extra minutes just because right. we're like i guess we have to go back to our regular lives just regular <laughs> partners. You know, i'm like i got the greatest wife and son in the world and you know so far so good that we have not yelled at each other and you know we're still enjoying each other's company but uh you know that's gotta wear that i'm annoying that's gotta wear thin soon <laughs> they're both wonderful i'm the problem in this uh bermuda triangle <laughs> And it is missing, right? The family's missing. <laughs> yeah, they're in that well. I think. I think even in this uh, this uh, pandemic, they're out looking for elsewhere to live. Do <laughs> not have to deal with my BS. <laughs> have uh, you been? This, uh, I know that uh, you've talked before about this, but are you still able to jog? You know, I haven't been jogging in a while because I my legs are not uh, happy with me about it anymore. So yeah. I've had to kind of shut down the uh, the jogging, and it, for some, I think it's affecting my hip and listen when you're middle-aged like i am <laughs> you know your body starts breaking down uh so no I, why are you running are you going out running i've been i've been running and i was here i was listening to the podcast while i was running and it made me think of uh it's it's weird to run now and i don't do it very often but it's kind of a thing where i feel like i have to do it or else i just go cra- i think about it all day if i don't do some kind of exercise i right. guess but the running is my favorite type because it, it clears my mind and I can listen to podcasts or whatever. I it's it's my it's my time away from everybody yeah. and it's that little bit of space you get. But man, it's hard to run with the mask on. And I, I if I'm being totally honest, I I did that once and I got the mask all sweaty. And I was like, I can't do that again. Well, I mean, but, but we in fact we talked about this uh, on the on our show today as well. Unless you're around other people, you don't need the mask. That's right? what Is I. That's what I think. But I think we're at a we're at a time where it's it's tricky, and I find myself doing it too. Where you get judgmental of people, uh huh, and people are mm-hmm. judgmental of you. And I can, I in my head, I'm going, this person hates me because because uh, I'm not wearing a, a mask right now. You know, it's it, it, if I may uh, quote uh, a joke that never made my act, but uh, I remember when the uh, when SARS was a problem, you know, and and everybody was wearing masks for that, and I was like, you know what? I, I and I had a flight. I, I forget where I was going to, but I was I had to get a, on an airplane. I went to LAX, and I had the mask with me. And then I was like, I can't. I'm not going to wear this. Being everybody's going to look at me, and they're going to make fun of me. And then I went, nobody cares what you're wearing. <laughs> nobody's going to look at you with your mask, and nobody's judging you. And then I'm not kidding. So I did not wear it. I I turned the corner. A woman came towards me wearing a mask, and I went, look at this fucking idiot. <laughs> couldn't let like one the first person i saw i had to make fun of <laughs> uh, and that's kind of how i feel now it's like uh but i'm the opposite now now when i see somebody like hey how come this person's not wearing a mask it's like well either are you 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 know cross the street yeah um, exactly anyway I, I want to point one more thing out and then uh we have i guess there was one more thing i wanted to bring up about the pod but uh do you have a virtual bre- background of the studio behind you oh shoot let me get that off <laughs> <laughs> sorry 
No, I, I don't do. care. It's just, I, it was at first I was like, oh, that's cool. You have such a like a cool studio set up there. And then um, yeah, that's the cool background. Uh, hang on, I'll choose another one. I'll give you something that. Uh, there we go. Nighttime. There we go. That's wow. old Comiskey. That's old Comiskey. My computer is not good enough to have a virtual background, and it's a real kick in the balls. Like, yeah, I can't no, afford it. Same I, yeah, deal. I can't afford it. The virtual background. I'm going to tell you something. You don't need to with that gorgeous background you got there, <laughs> with your trinket from your childhood. You know, a pennant you got on pennant night at the Bulls game. You're fine. <laughs> Uh, the last, the last thing I wanted to to bring over the pod, and then we'll and then we'll get started uh, with with our show. But then we'll start recording. Yeah, then we'll start recording. <laughs> we just wanted to hang out with you, man. We're, we're I get very it. lonely. I get to get an opportunity to hang out with some middle aged dude, <laughs> pick his brain a little bit, see what it was like in the old days. Sure. Uh, there's a quote, and I I was talking to Tommy about this earlier that me and Tommy both quote a lot that I don't even know if you would remember, but I I have a feeling you would because uh, it's you have a very sharp memory. Can you can you can you set up the scenario and let's see if I can guess what it it's was? You quoting another comedian, I think Robert Klein, just based on what the complaint was, but it was I think, uh, the line I think he's is talking about Charo. Does that set you up? And I, I think, it, think it's it, Ruth Buzzy that you it, were talking it, about. It's two things. Uh, it, initially, it was um, the Gabors, one of the Gabor sisters. And uh, I think it was Zsa uh, Zsa, because Ava had an acting career. Zsa Zsa never really did. And, um, and then it became, and then the last time I saw him, it was Ruth Buzzy. And, it, uh, and, and if, if this is what it was, what does she do? <laughs> That's it. We always say that around our apartment. We say that all the time. <laughs> what does she do? What does she do? It's, I, it is maybe like I, 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 the fact that you guys remember that proves to like how much I say it. And it's one of my favorite comedy lines of all time. Like, I think it's so funny. And it's just so funny to be some angry still about something. Still angry, still angry at Ruth Buzzy in uh, 2017 when I last saw him. So I just uh, worked with him at Car- not just, but maybe a year and a half ago at Caroline's, and I was it was crazy. I felt like I was like I couldn't believe it was happening. But it's um, you know, as you heard, Marin doesn't uh, not as care for him at all. And there's a lot of comics that don't give him the credit, but he's in my top three of all time. I I love him. I didn't know who he was until the movie Comedian, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's documentary, features him pretty heavily, and. There's a great scene with him. And then I, I, I loved him in that. And then I, I bought one of his books for like a dollar at some uh, shitty book sale. And uh, I, I was a huge fan. Yeah, that book is great. Is that the one about the confessions of a bus boy or whatever yes, that's called? Yeah, it? that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, great. That's, uh, that's a great book. And you get to see him you know, working at the Catskills and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of working with him twice. And both times he could, he could not have been nicer to me. The first time I yeah, was so green. Yeah, he was so nice green. to me too. Yeah. Uh, he should. He shouldn't even give me the time of day. The first time I worked with him, I, like that's how bad. I mean, I bombed miserably in front. Was of him. it Chicago days? It was. Yeah, it was just Chicago in nineteen. Like I wasn't even. I don't even think I was a full time comic yet. And the 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 booker liked me and said, "I know that he's your hero. I'm going to book you with him." And uh, I mean, it was literally a, just a, a favor, a pit, almost a pity booking. But he was nice to me and, and and treated me kindly. And then the next time was about like three years ago where I, you know, I was who I am today. And, you know, I, I, and I, you guys know, I mean, you know, you know my, I, I don't really talk about, I, I crushed it, man. It's <laughs> not my bag. Uh, but that night I did. In fact, I walked off and Bud Friedman said, you know, uh, money in the bank, man, you're always money in the bank. And, uh, which made you feel good. Cause yeah. Bud Friedman was this guy that you always just wanted him to, you know, give you that approval. And then 
Klein was just like, who are you? That was a man. It was, and it was one of those sets too, where you go, yeah, you should be saying that. Like that's, yeah. that's how good that was. And, um, to have my hero, one of my heroes say that was, you know, uh, you know, very rewarding. Tom, do you remember what Klein said when he saw me perform? Yeah. Uh, I think he said, wasn't that the waiter? Uh, he, he, uh, <laughs> he got you confused with the guy who came in and, uh, and wait, what, what were you going to say? I was hoping for a, what does he do? What does oh, he fuck do? Me. I really believe hey, that. I'm sorry. Another hand for Tommy McNamara. What does he do? <laughs> I apologize, Tommy. I really screwed you there. I, I was in my head like, did, was Tommy on that show? And then I felt bad that I had forgotten. Well, Comedy people. There's a- <laughs> you guys are both still in Bloomington, right? I, uh, I'm I in LA. I, all right. <laughs> Oh man, Bloomington! What is that's where you opened for me, right, Tom? That is right. Yeah, at the uh, Limestone Comedy Festival, yeah. uh, presented by Jared Thompson and Miller Lite and uh, <laughs> Madelano Martin. Uh, we have a segment with Jared coming up, which we should get to in just a minute. First of all, let's talk about what we're here to talk about: the band Chicago, which you have uh, which you have brought to us today, and we're out of time. Just okay. That time. is too bad we ran out of time. <laughs> so, that is a bummer. Look, how does this work? So I bring a band that I like, and you guys just uh, crap on it? The no, 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 no. No, not that at all. Uh, Tommy, yes, does, but I <laughs> am on your team here. And <laughs> No, what happens is the, I started this podcast because – we started this podcast because I like Coldplay, and I was tired of people making fun of them, and I wanted to hear another – I thought it was a bit hacky how people made fun of it, and I thought it would be fun to hear another side. And so we – started having comics on who like music that people make fun of and then hearing their side of the story. And then we give it, we give the music a fair chance and, and listen to it with, with open ears. Okay. So. <laughs> Still feels like I'm getting set up to step in a bear trap, but all right. I'll- I mean, there's <laughs> elements of that for sure, but it, it's, it's not quite a bear trap because we're warning you about it at a time, but yeah, but, but- you can still go, hey, uh, go out in the field, and uh, there's one out there somewhere, and then you got to keep looking. It's like it's like when I was in Vietnam. You know, a guy my age went to Vietnam. And, it was uh, my we, buddy John McCain, right? Oh, uh, my buddy. Oh, Jesus. Johnny and I, what Johnny did for the rest of us from his platoon, uh, I can only thank him. I can only thank him. And his what daughter, God bless her, holding up the family name. One of the best TV personalities we have. Really? You know what? Pops on camera. <laughs> Uh, seems pleasant at all times. Certainly continue to let her have a job. Man, the look on her face when Michelle Wolf was doing the thing, it made me certain that I would hate her forever. I mean, obviously, her politics make that easy, but just as a person, you kind of think, like, maybe this person's decent in some way, but then the just the the scowl on her face during that really settled that uh, she's not a good person. I never saw this. So there was, there, they cut to her in the audience at the, uh, she, I believe she's on, is she not on stage? She might be, maybe she is, I guess that they're not sitting on stage. Yeah. She's sitting in the audience and they, they cut to her and she just looks so angry. And really? it's like, these people are the are supposedly the ones with the best sense of humor. You always hear right that they don't take anything. Of, why are liberals so offended all the time? She made a joke about her eyeliner, and you right. think that she had said the worst thing that had ever been said. You know, and it was all just for political points. 
I'll say this about that particular joke. The problem was, in my opinion, you know, Sarah Huckabee has a lazy eye. Oh, that so was, nobody sorry, heard that was the joke. Saying, I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, but, but you're not wrong. That's the one everybody points to because at the end of the day, it was an eyeshadow joke. But yes. it just immediately you stop listening once you go, is she really making fun of her eye? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that said, th- that set was full of nothing but great jokes. And if yeah. you can't walk away from that going, okay, I never heard of that woman. Some of that was maybe maybe a little too harsh. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a roast kind of thing. And let's enjoy ourselves. So very timely. Do you guys want to talk about uh, the <laughs> whitewater crisis? wrong person. So really good thing to bring up for me. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the grace and uh, just moving by it. But I did say the wrong person. Anyway. Does anyone really know what time it is, though, gentlemen? That's my question. So I tell you a quick story about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can I I jump in? Uh, My wife was kind enough. She was just my girlfriend at the time. And I went to the uh, Chicago fan convention, the band Chicago fan convention in. uh, God, it's got to be 20 years ago. Uh, Maybe even more. What is the what is this? 2020. So 20. It's like 1999, maybe. And this was in, uh, at Caesar's Palace in, La- in Las Vegas. And I was and I went and my I was there for a few days. And then my uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, flew in to join me. And she's like, hey, how's this convention going? I go, you know what? It's actually a lot of fun. It's 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 a bunch of just normal people who just like the same band. And it's there's no weirdos. It's nothing. And literally, as soon as I'm done doing that, somebody says in the uh, and we're at the we're at the convention, somebody goes, Hey, you know what time it is? And somebody goes, anybody really care? <laughs> and my wife, uh, my wife goes, that's what I expected. <laughs> and it was like, God damn it. You just literally, after I just, they're good people. It's all fine. It's all going to be good. Nerd, nerd, nerd. Horrible. That's uh, I had a buddy who was really into rush like that. And he would go to conventions and there was like a little group of friends that would meet up and they only met because of these rush weekends that they would do where they would go see a show and then they would rent like a a condo or something and just hang out for the rest of the weekend and it was a weird rush party and my buddy introduced me to one of these people he's like no he's like a normal guy and of course he was a freak (laughs) bigger rush freak he looked exactly like a rush t-shirt i really (laughs) uh it was yeah it was the worst case scenario for him imagine uh uh, getting quarantined in the rush condo (laughs) Uh, I would choose free will. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There we go. So what we usually do on the show is do a little bit of a background with your, your history with the band. So when did you get into Chicago? What were the beginning experiences for you with Chicago? I, uh, my father was a drummer in a band. Uh, they would play a lot of Chicago Mm. and my dad was really into Chicago as you know what my dad was. I guess in 1973, my dad would have been uh, uh, 30. So, like, he's right in the pocket of who was, you know, Chicago's audience. Like, you know, he he was into it. So, he was really into Chicago. So, I would hear him playing it. But I never really was a huge fan. And then in 1981, my friend Gary invited me to go see Chicago at Chicago Fest, which used to be before Taste of Chicago, Mm. um, where they had various stages and rock stage, country stage, main stage. And Chicago was on the main stage in 81. They did a matinee and an evening show. And we went to the matinee and Gary insisted because it was a, you know, uh, 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 general seating, general admission. We could sit wherever you want, that we get there at seven in the morning so that we could sit (laughs) in the front row. Uh, 
so we sat in the front. My first, my first concert was Kiss uh, in 70, 79. Uh, but this was my second concert. There I am in the front row. And it's hard not to fall in love with a band when you're sitting that sneaking close. And, you know, I knew the tunes and I, uh, you know, it, it just was, it was pretty amazing. And then from there, I was like, hey, I want to listen to more Chicago. And then admittedly just became obsessed with them through high school, just obsessed with them. And, and it was during, I got obsessed with them during their little downtime in 81 because Terry Kath passed away in 78. And, you know, after uh, 79, they really didn't have any hits anymore. And then they didn't have another hit until 82. So I kind of fell in love with them while they were struggling and then came back with them in their resurgence. So uh, that's kind of how I got into them. And, you know, I've seen them over a hundred times in concerts. Wow. And um, yeah, that's a lot. But if you think about it, like the my first one was 81. So that's, you know, almost 40 years ago, right? 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, was on in 2010. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Mariners on 2010. That's how we measure time on this show, <laughs> is when was Marin last on? So we got to reset the clock. Days since uh, Marin was on, we got to refresh the old... Uh, we got to refresh the, the signage? Uh, that was, uh, was going to be my question, was was Terry Katz still in the band when you saw them the first time? It was not my dad saw him a couple times when Terry was... Not that that means anything to, to this conversation, but my dad saw him with Terry. And um, like I said, I saw him in 81 where they kind of were in between guitarists and they were figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the next year, 82, is when Bill Champlin joined. And uh, I, I guess he joined late 81 for the 82 release of 16, but uh, Chicago 16. Um, and then that's when I saw them like crazy. So, you know, I would see them maybe, you know, if they came to Chicago and did three shows, I was at all three shows, even as a uh, as a high school kid, because tickets were only like 12.50. And wow. what else was I spending money on? You know what I mean? Like I worked, at, I, I had jobs. And so I had the money to go and Hey, Chicago's in town. I'm going. So there's 36 bucks for three shows, which isn't that crazy. Wow. That's uh that's interesting to become. I, I, I don't know why I feel like this, but I feel like it's interesting to become a fan at the concert. Like, have you had that happen, Tommy? Have you ever gone to see someone you've never seen before or that you, that you weren't that into and then you saw them live and then you were, you became a fan. Uh, that, that's happened with like openers. I've seen openers and then gotten really sure. where I didn't know who they were and then checked them out after. Um, and there was a band, Humphreys McGee, that someone talked about on this podcast. Yes. And I went to see them and then I really liked their show. Uh, so it's happened a couple of times, but that is wild to see them once on a whim and then see them a hundred times. <laughs> right, <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Uh, but again, I grew up listening to them with my dad and stuff. And of course, th- yeah. this is a time where Chicago was, you know, they every album they released was number one as I was a kid growing up. So I heard them on the radio constantly. So it wasn't like this undiscovered band. They were, you know, they were undiscovered to me um, in a deep dive. But I, you know, I knew Saturday in the park and I knew 25 or 64 and doesn't even know what time it is. And, you know, feeling stronger every day. I knew all those hits. It was the, you know, the album tracks that I got into. And then, you know, literally, I mean, you think you've got stuff on your walls. I had nothing but Chicago posters on my wall. Nothing, nothing but, I mean, you know, that's. That was exactly what I was about to ask is, how do you feel? I we me and Tommy both watched a documentary about them today, yeah. uh, and I didn't realize because I had only heard those those major hits myself. I the and I grew up on the ballad and and Saturday in the Park, but I didn't realize how angry the rest of the band was about if you leave me now. Yeah, so did you were you never into that? Into that song or into their uh, into, their infighting? I guess into into all of them, but I guess specifically like the ballad era. Yeah, the ballad era. Well, if you leave me now was in 1977, so that was like long before you know what that 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 80s 
stuff that people grew to hate them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Terry was still in the band and, you know, people have rewritten history on whether or not, you know, Terry would be rolling over in his grave if, if, <laughs> if he heard hard to say, I'm sorry. Woody, he, he's on if you leave me now. He doesn't didn't seem to have yeah. a problem with that. Or maybe he did. And, you know, again, people are rewriting how yeah, he reacted to that. Um, uh, you know, I just, my friend, Scott Ackerman, you know, you guys probably know Scott from Huge the Comedy Bang Bang Podcast. Uh, I jokingly said, uh, he asked me about a song and I said, uh, I, th- I said, that's actually my top 10 favorite Chicago songs. And I, I'll give you my top 50 if I'm ever that bored. <laughs> and, um, it turns out, uh, a pandemic hit and I got that bored. <laughs> and, uh, so I just recently made my top 50, I think it's top 60 Chicago songs. And there's not a lot, of, as, as much as I like those ballads, I, in fact, let me look it up very quickly, uh, only because you asked me. Is it a public Spotify playlist you got going, or is this uh, this is pen and paper? This is pen and paper, and Whoa. I haven't even typed it out yet. Uh, in fact, <laughs> you guys are the first to hear about it. Scott hasn't even seen or heard about it yet. Wow, uh, this is breaking comes news. This is, uh, all right, here we go. I'm going to go down to the first. The first actual ballad would be, good Lord. Uh, here it is. So I don't know what this is. 20... Oh, no, that's 20. Hang on. Just You and Me. I'll, I'll consider Just You and Me a ballad, but that's from 1973, and that's number 25. So we're not until number 25 before there's wow. a ballad. That's and then none it. of the ones from the 80s uh, are even on here until uh, the end. Is this entertaining to anybody, me looking <laughs> at my paper? Yes. <laughs> no, this is, this is what the listeners tuned in for. This is the magic that... Uh, like, Guys, I got fifty. It's a fifty. It's fifty-two songs on this list. Like hard to say. I'm sorry. Hard habit to break. You're the inspiration. They're not even on here. Wow. I, so, I I liked the story for you're the inspiration that was in this doc that we watched today. Have you seen the, uh, what was the name of this documentary, Tommy? I've, now more than ever, the Peter Pardini. Uh, are you really asking if I've seen it? I'm I in know, the goddamn I thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in that documentary, Tom. <laughs> oh wait, which part? At the very end? At the end, yes. Oh, okay. I still had like 15 minutes left. I was I was doing I was doing double duty today. You caught me, Jimmy. Is this what you wanted? You did it. I Is was, I was gotcha warned of bear traps. Now I'm setting them. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the goddamn thing, the Pardini documentary. My mistake. What a Thanks fool I look. Look, I've never even heard of this documentary. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, no, I watched an hour and a half of this fucking documentary, and you expect... What did, what did they, they, they hit you at the end? They got to open with you. What are you talking can I, about? Can I tell you something? I, and I've told this story a zillion times. I am in, I am in the documentary. and uh, I was honored to be asked to be part of it. I truly was honored to be asked to be part of it. And as it went to the festival's he kept doing re-edits on where I was in the, <laughs> in it. And there was a time where I was like, I came in not long after uh, Terry's death. And it was like this welcome, cause I get a laugh right. and people are like, Oh, he gets a, Oh, oh like the band. When I eventually talked to them, they were like, Oh, you're so funny. And that was like, well, there's no other funny in it. Like, it's so, you know, <laughs> Oh, you, oh, I think Jimmy Panko said to me, you got the biggest laugh in the movie. Well, <laughs> it's not a comedy movie. And, uh, but I was very flattered by that. And then as they get, then got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and he and Peter had to keep re-editing the movie, he was kind enough to still keep me in it. And I'm in at the very end over the credits. And people are like, oh, that's too bad. You're only in over the credits. Like, I shouldn't be in the thing at all. <laughs> like, there's no reason for comedian Jimmy Parter to be in the Chicago documentary. But like, 
just a dream come true to be part of it. And, and, and then, you know, because of that movie to kind of become friendly with the band, it's, uh, it's been pretty amazing. I, my, the hardest I left, uh, during the movie was at the part when it, Wait, it the wasn't players. the Jimmy part. Aside <laughs> from the Jimmy part. Thank you. Thank you for the save, Tom. <laughs> One of the horn players says that people would come up to me like, what is this? Where are the strings? And oh, I know. There's no way anybody did that. <laughs> like people there's had never no, seen a trumpet. There's, I thought it was a great documentary. That part should have been cut to save that man humiliation because there's no way that nobody that anybody went up and go, a horn? Where's the strings? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm friends with the band. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. There's uh, no, nobody ever said that. Nobody ever. <laughs> Come on. The Hendrix thing was crazy. That uh, was, that was insane. Yeah. That's the, you know what? That's one of those that some people push back on and say never happened. But I, I'd like to think that it did because he ended up bringing Chicago on tour with them. Mm. And so why would he, why would, why do you make up that, that quote for 50 And years? also it was one that it felt like they made a point of hammering it in because they showed three or four of them saying it in, in succession. Like right. they all had the exact same quote. And I felt like they were trying to get this. This did happen and it happened this way. Cause it, hearing it from one person, I could see that you going, I don't know. That seems like he might be misremembering maybe, mm-hmm. you know, self aggrandizing or something, but no, that was uh, yeah. It seemed like that happened for sure. And it was, I, I thought that was really cool. For those that don't know, that quote was uh, apparently Jimi Hendrix came up to them after seeing uh, seeing Chicago at the Whiskey Go Go and said, "You guys are amazing. Uh, your horns play like one set of lungs, and your guitarist is better than I am." Yeah. And um, look, Terry was a great guitarist. I I, I don't I I I think Jimmy was maybe uh, had acid underneath his bandana. Um, <laughs> but look, I've had look. Robert Klein told me, you know, said to me, "Who the hell are you?" And somebody else might look at me and go. Hey, he's fine. I think he's funny enough. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe Jimmy thought Terry was amazing. You know what I mean? But other guitarists go, well, there's no way Jimi Hendrix said that to him. Maybe he did. Maybe that's what he liked. You know, who the frick knows? And the Jimmy part, famously asked uh, if those horns where the strings were. <laughs> I did, the, the very first thing I did when I saw that band, I said, fellas, I've been listening to you since 81. Where, where the hell are those strings? <laughs> and, uh, and then Lee Lockney, the trumpet player, hit me in the balls with his trumpet. <laughs> I guess because, yeah, growing up when I did, I'd only heard kind of Saturday in the Park and the ballads. And I was kind of shocked to see the stuff with Janis Joplin and Jimi, Jimi Hendrix and right? just them being in that late 60s scene, which I didn't associate them with at all. So that was really interesting to me. It's pretty neat, right? And, and if you listen to those first three albums, maybe even the first five, the fourth one's a live album, but the first four studio albums, it's, you know, the only, the only real radio-friendly song is Saturday in the Park. Everything else is kind of their, their album tracks that, in Color My World, but that, you know, that's kind of part of a different, of a big, you know, ballet for a girl in Buchanan. Um, really, th- that's the only radio-friendly song. Like, people are like, ah, oh, they didn't have any hits. They're, all those albums went to number one. Like, the album sold. They didn't need singles. They weren't that band, and they ended up being a singles band. But in reality, they, they, like, they could have made a decision at some point to be the Grateful Dead or Dave Matthews or Fish, they could have easily been that. And if you listen to like Live at Carnegie Hall, which is their fourth, uh, fourth album and their first live album, it is them jamming out for 15 minutes. Like, you know, I, I've got Live in Japan, the, the hit by Varests, I think, goes on for 13 minutes. And on the record, it's five, you know? So like they, that's the kind of band that they were. Um, and then it all changed. I'm sure that they enjoyed making money. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they even talk about that in there. They're like, there was so much money to be had, and then they got they got screwed over by uh, by their their original contract that they stayed on for too long. It seemed like yeah, their their producer and manager Jimmy Garcio uh, was a great producer and maybe not the nicest manager. <laughs> I believe he may have stolen money from the gentleman, but uh, <laughs> they said uh, millions of dollars, which I think that man got his due. I think he deserved it. He created that weird ranch that they had to live on or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like the, the up in the, the Caribou Ranch, which uh, is burned down. Oh, really? Was yeah, burned uh, down in the the eighties at some point, and a lot of a, a lot of uh, uh, master tapes and stuff were all burned up. And uh, I, I really related to that part because Jared, if you're a comic in Bloomington, Indiana, Jared makes you live on a little farm. Oh, he and, does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he you have to work out your material. Not <laughs> the a cows. Cocaine. He that said, if you sense. make the cows laugh, that's when you're ready for my stage. Uh, and uh, it's it's really uh, it's I think it's good for people. <laughs> Should we play Jared's voicemail now? Yeah, I was setting old Jared up. So each week we like to go to our resident snob of the show, our our friend and foe of the podcast, Jared Thompson, the owner of the Comedy Attic in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, the co-founder of the Limestone Comedy Festival. And uh, he often has uh, pretty harsh views on the music that we play on this show. I'm very curious to hear what he's going to say on this. I never listened to it before. Uh, and this is, and he's going to talk about Chicago here. He's mm-hmm. going to be talking about Chicago. He knows that Jimmy Pardo is the guest. I, I'm going to tell you right now, Jared gets livid when if we speak while his voicemail is playing. Uh, but uh, I, I just like to give a heads up because I get uh, texted if uh, if anybody talks. Okay. So, Last weekends because of that. <laughs> it's actually true. All right, here is Jared Thompson. What's up, y'all? It's this week's They Went to Jared. The boys are going to have my pal Jimmy Pardo on discussing Chicago. Uh, we've talked about this quite a bit because our mutual pal Brad Wilhelm hates the band. And so we've sort of ganged up on him a lot over the years talking about this. Um, honestly, if not for the 80s, Chicago would be viewed, in my opinion, as like a pretty legendarily elite band. I think that the majority of people who like 70s rock think they're great and i think that the fact that they just didn't stop making music is the only reason that they would ever need to be talked about on something like this but much like jimmy i love the 80s era you know uh you're you're the inspiration hard to say i'm sorry hard habit to break those songs i think are really great i mean i i am just like jimmy i'll go as far as to say that the peter satara solo stuff in the 80s i really like so but i understand that there's a major difference between 70s sh- chicago where the songs like a led zeppelin fan can listen you know like someone that listens to mostly hard rock would still like a lot of those songs and you know the ballads from that era the you know the terry kath ballads and i mean they're great songs and they're timeless and to me they're one of my maybe 10 or so favorite bands ever i think jimmy actually has them as his number one band ever um i love this you know to have i mean i like tommy of course but to have two of my favorite people tom and jimmy talking on this podcast i'm really excited to hear it and um i hope you guys are uh doing well jimmy um uh and we'll talk soon all right thanks guys love you bye (laughs) not necessary shot there (laughs) what a sweet message from jared 
It was a great message. And then uh, at the very end, unnecessarily, Tommy's going to get kicked in the groin. <laughs> I think he just went too long without saying something negative. So it, uh, <laughs> no, his body didn't know right. what to do. I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it was. <laughs> he just he started to feel the acid boiling up yeah. in his chest. He goes, oh, I got to get this out or else it's going <laughs> to come back at me. It's going to eat me up. <laughs> Exactly. I will give Jared credit. That was the shortest one of those he's ever said. Really? That's exciting. Yeah. And it kind of echoed exactly everything I just said to you guys. Like it, it, it just, um, uh, although again, this top six, this top 52 list I made, uh, maybe I don't love the 80s stuff as much as I thought I did. I do. I do love the 80s stuff. There's, there's 80s, uh, deep cuts in this top 52, but those hits, maybe I just, maybe I'm unfair. Maybe, maybe when I made this list, I was even thinking, uh, I don't need to include those. I've heard those enough. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I'm I unfairly think you underthought them. this whole thing. Say it again, Tom. I'm starting to think you underthought this whole list. You know what? I got three. I actually only have three songs written down. I made the whole thing up. <laughs> we are going to play all 52 in I was full. About to say, uh, we, yeah, we usually do top six. This one. Why not, Tommy? Let's just play all 52. Play all 52, guys, and then I'll come back next week to apologize to everybody. <laughs> um... I will tell you, I, you know, for the six that I chose for you guys, I didn't pick my top six. I picked six throughout their career. Mm-hmm. Um, like I picked uh, some from early in their career, one from right in the middle, and then, uh, then two from the, the 80s um, that maybe uh, might open some people's eyes to that they were more than uh, those 80s uh, ballads that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people your age, really, that's all you know. Yeah, I, and just watching the documentary, I realized how little I know about this band, so I'm happy that you did it that way. Um, and even a song like 25 or 64, which I've heard the title of a hundred times, I didn't really know what it sounded like. And it does sound like a Zeppelin song uh, <laughs> to me. You know? uh, in fact, the bass riff uh, is very similar to a Zeppelin. I can't pull the Zeppelin tune at the moment, but the boom, there's a, there's a riff that's very Zeppelin-y, very Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac-y uh, yeah. in, in the bass that... Uh, uh, I, I forget. I remember one time I, in my drunken earlier younger days, uh, was fighting about which one came first. And I think Zeppelin came out like literally the, the song that I'm, we were fighting about, the Zeppelin song came out maybe a month earlier. Wow. And it's like, yeah, but they, but Chicago would have been in the studio, man. Like just <laughs> fighting it. Like, first of all, who gives a shit? You weirdo <laughs> fighting about a bass riff, you drunken buffoons. Um, but yes, they're, uh, to your point, the very, uh, the, the, and to Jared's point, that a Zeppelin fan probably would walk around back in the 70s, 74, would walk around a Chicago shirt and people would go, yeah, man, Chicago, in the same way they would if they were wearing a Stones or a Zepp shirt. Let's start uh, hearing some clips from these songs. So you, you give me a title and I'll, uh, I'll cue it up. Uh, well, the, my, this, is, you know, this one is, uh, I don't know, this is my favorite Chicago song. It's called Dialogue. Uh, it's off Chicago 5, written by Robert Lamb. Uh, it comes in two parts, Dialogue Part 1, Dialogue Part 2. Uh, and it's basically about uh, a college guy and a, uh, and a, like a hippie talking about the, you know, the state of the world. And uh, it's a, di- you know, right, you know, coming out of coming outside of uh, Vietnam and uh, you know, the end of the war and so on and so forth. Uh, should we go with part one or part two, Jimmy? Uh, uh, you know, part one is the, is the meat of it. Part two is just kind of a, uh, you know, gets the people on their feet at the concert chanting along. We can make it happen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember this one. Um, make it happen. There we go. You don't have to play it now. Let me ask you guys a question. 
Captain Peter Sinner on the vocal. It's time to function as a feeling human being with your bachelor of arts help you get by. Tommy, do me a favor. Jump, jump to, uh, jump to dialogue part two now, so they can hear, hear just like what, what basically is like ends up being the chorus of the song. Yeah, I am liking this baseline a lot. Yeah. Isn't that a great baseline? Right? Yeah. single this isn't it was released as it, but this, this isn't on radio like hard to say i'm sorry this is, i jump ahead a little bit to focus in there i wouldn't i would let, let all seven minutes play <laughs> kidding He can make it happen. Damn it! You're walking around the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam, listening to this song. Listen, when I was back there, I mean, you guys don't know the shit I saw there. It just was. <laughs> but to hear my favorite band playing in the background, well, we don't know what we're stepping in. It was Bear rough. <laughs> uh, again, that's off Chicago Five, 1972. Uh, I said 75 earlier by mistake because I was thinking of Chicago uh, 5 being 75, but it's uh, 1972 that song came out uh, right in the heart of Vietnam. Yep. And don't forget Marin 2010. So Thank we're you. About 30, 38 years back Thank from you. there. Yep. You know, I voted for Marin in 2010. So uh, <laughs> you say Marin 2010 makes sense. Um, That's what got us in this mess. <laughs> you blaming him for this? <laughs> Cat food for everybody. Think about it. Right around him getting everything he needed in this industry, that's when we got the old orange man in the White House. You think he sold his soul to the devil, and that's what happened here, huh? <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying, I don't think his hands are clean. I don't know. Well, there's no question they're not clean. I'm with you, Tom. <laughs> uh, what do we got for number two? Number two is Beginnings by Chicago. Good thing I told you the band. Chicago. <laughs> idiot I am. <laughs> hey, this one's going to be by Chicago, you guys. Uh, beginnings. That's right. Right off the first album, CTA. Great song about it. You know, it's a basically. It's a, you know, it's a love song, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't have the that. God damn it! I'm having acid reflux like crazy. Uh, Jared's voicemail got me all rattled. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's a great again. Another song written by Robert Lamb. Great song. Where we are, what we're doing, I'm with you. That's all that 
Listen to those drum fills in the background. Oh, no. I wish I could say it to you. That was um, part of the documentary that made me like, sad was the, the original drummer getting booted. Uh, what a bummer that was. You know, he, as they pointed out in that documentary, he became uh, more obsessed with the business end of it and, 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 mm-hmm. and ignored the drumming part of it. Uh, Danny, you know, my dad was a drummer, like I said. And so he, you know, and, and a lot of drummers from that era, they, had, they idolized this guy. Yeah. You know, Danny Serafin was one of the, he considered one of the best drummers of all time. And then, Again, the 80, to Jared's point, the 80s just kind of make everybody forget musically and sonically and, and, and songwriting-wise how great this band was. And he's, he's not Ringo Starr. He's not just keeping time. Like, those are crazy fills he's doing. And they're oh, no, this, guy, this guy's yeah. great. Yeah. So I, I, but, I mean, it seems like from the documentary, they like the new guy they found. I don't know what you think of him versus the other guy. Well, they, 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 it was Tris and Bowden, and Tris is gone now, and they've mm. got... Uh, a guy named Wilfredo Reyes, uh, Wilfredo Reyes, who's who's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Tris too. I, uh, Tris has played on a, a, album, a zillion albums you guys have heard. He was like a session guy for years. Uh, then you know joined Chicago. I think it was Chicago for fifteen years or something. But uh, he's great. But Dan, Danny had uh, Danny just had a feel and a vibe to him. Whereas Tris was. Uh, I've I've argued with drummers about this. I'm not a drummer, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Tris feels more. Um, you know how there's even comics like Seinfeld's one of the greatest comics in the world, but you know, uh, he's a technician, right. you know, whereas like, you know, you, you don't, you don't go to Jerry for crowd work and, and just to have a guy be spur of the moment funny. Uh, but, and you don't come to me for a joke. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, uh, I feel the same with, with Danny and Tris. Like I think Danny plays from his gut and Tris plays from his head and that's not an insult to anybody. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I think that kind of comes across in the way they talked about him too. Yeah. Uh, do you want another song? Yeah, let's do this it. Is, yeah, let's cruise through. This is off Chicago too. Uh, this is uh, uh, part of the that uh, aforementioned ballet for a girl in Bacatan. Uh This is the other kind of hit that came out of that uh, called "Make Me Smile." Well, only three minutes. Well, but it's part of like a nine-minute thing. <laughs> and you know this. That's a great song. Jimmy, you could have given me 10 guesses as to what band played that song before this. Chicago would not have been in those 10 guesses. Oh, give me an example of who your guesses would have been. Maybe Joe Cocker I would have thrown out there. Hey, you know what? I, I could see somebody guessing Joe Cocker. With the voice the way... <laughs> uh, no, I could hear Joe Cocker because of the gravelly voice. Sure, sure. gravelly, yeah. Well, then he's kind of reaching on those notes. But yeah. yeah. That was one of the, like, I, I believe I, I could be wrong. I think that's one of the, like the 10 Chicago songs I did know coming into this. Cause I, I grew up with a, uh, a best of Chicago album and I'm pretty sure that was on there. Uh, what was the cover? Remember the cover of it? It was a red cover. It's funny. I was looking at said, make America great again, right? What's that? Yes. Said, make exactly. America great again. Yeah. Sure. Uh, 
It was uh it wasn't Chicago nine, which is what I thought it was originally. I think it's like it Chicago twenty two or twenty three. Uh, that it's might right be in that it. Area. Yeah, that might be uh, twenty three maybe. That sounds more like it because I remember wondering why the number was what it was as a kid and not realizing that they just had so many albums. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was I was into this and then kind of the hits we've already talked about uh, Saturday in the Park and uh, if you leave me now, all that good stuff. But yeah, this was one that I already knew and uh, already liked. Yeah, this is great. Glad to help. Glad to help. You. <laughs> happy to happy to remind you you liked one. <laughs> Uh, the next song is uh, this is on cleanup. This is 1978. This is what kind of kind of that middle part of their career uh, after Terry passed away, and then before the resurgence in the 80s with, when Satara took charge. Uh, this is uh, this is the title track off Hot Streets. Um, What's that called? Uh, it's called Hot Streets. The title track. <laughs> who's and who's the band? Uh, the band. Is, oh, this one's by Chicago. <laughs> Um, written by Robert Lamb. This is uh, Hot Streets comes in, guys, at one, two, three, four. This is my fifth favorite Chicago song. Um, that's according to that list of 52 we talked about. And it's only after. Oh. this jazzy feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mountains lie before me. Skies ahead are looking stormy. Oh, oh, oh. This is a great song. This has a great, a, a great set it down. This has a, um, it's got a great uh, guitar solo on it. It's got a great uh, flute solo in it. Uh, the guitarist played a guy named Donnie Dacus replaced Terry Kath for two albums. Um, and Donnie's a great guitarist and a great vocalist who never had a chance. Like he was, mm. uh, you know, coming in to replace Terry Kath. He never really had an opportunity to, to shine. The, the, the fans were never going to get behind him. In my opinion, whoever came in next was going to be gone quickly. Um, and, uh, this album is, uh, it's in my top five Chicago albums, hot streets. It is a, uh, an album that is easily dismissed because again, it was, well, it, it's not Terry, man. I don't care. Uh, but it's got a live again on, it, uh, on it, which is a great song. No tell lover, which is a great song. This, the title track again, like I said, in my top five, um, uh, it's a great album that deserves, uh, to be more respected in the canon. What is your number one album? Did you, did you say that yet? I did not. And I literally You're just locked close up to the best. guys i'm gonna reveal that at the end and then give a big walk away uh my favorite is chicago two uh in fact i'll just say it goes chicago two chicago uh chicago two chicago uh, cta which is chicago one uh chicago five hot streets and then uh kind of a tie between 16 and 17 from the 80s era and they were ahead of their time talking about cta what those nfl players go through i I really appreciate that they were uh, on the front lines of that I have to be honest. I don't get that joke. I like to laugh. But I don't CTE. Know what CTE. CTE joke. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Oh, you don't know CTE? It's, uh, it's the concussion thing that uh, NFL ah, thank you. Do. Okay. That's uh, my bad. It was pretty soft. Um, yeah, I'll was, probably edit it out. I would edit a lot of this out. <laughs> I would start with that voicemail. That's the first thing I'd whack. Um, you want my next tune? Yes. Yeah. This is off the aforementioned Chicago 16, and this is off 
you know, Hard to Say I'm Sorry was the big hit, of course. That was the song that brought them back, uh, number one hit. Uh, also, Love Me Tomorrow was on this album, Chicago 16. But this is a song called Follow Me, which is written by Jimmy Panko, uh, the trombone player. And this is this one kind of moves a little bit. This one rocks. Uh, I was under the impression that Uncle Cracker wrote Follow I was, Me. Uh, I was waiting for an Uncle Cracker riff. I don't. I, I appreciate you, young people. <laughs> Uncle Cracker. Do you, do you remember the Uncle Cracker uh, "Follow Me" song? Because this might it might have been based on this. I, I don't I don't know the timeline. There's there's there's, there's no way. I mean, it's certainly, Uncle Cracker certainly comes after this. <laughs> you are, once you are, life is you know, Now, Jimmy, I want yeah. you to listen to this and tell me what you think is better. Okay. We're going to play the Uncle Cracker Follow Me <laughs> and get an official ruling. And, <laughs> right. and listeners, you feel free to chime in as well. Uh, tweet at Jimmy. Tweet nope. at Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> Keep me out of it. <laughs> and if you can't reach him there, go with Never Not Funny. One of these you're going to get to. Can't turn around and say goodbye. Yeah. All you know is when I'm with you, I make I like you this. free. And swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. I'm singing, follow me, everything is on. That's a nice song, right? You know, cool. I, what happened to him? Uncle uh, Cracker. Man. I feel like he was he was really around for just uh, about two songs, and then I think uh, we never heard from him again. I think the calendar page changed, and nobody <laughs> wanted to let him know we moved on. He right? Stayed, he, right like, the, he stayed put in more than uh, age. <laughs> I always despised that uh, line, swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. I always hated that line. Why is that, Tommy? I did. It's a bad image. I don't like it. You don't like a fish in your vein? <laughs> no, I don't like a fish in the vein, no. All right, what do we got for... It's a narrow canal. <laughs> fish is able to maneuver it. Give it some credit. That's a good point. Uh, uh, so you... What? So... Is that is that five songs or six? That was five. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say about that last one, that was Bill Champlin, and Bill joined for that album, the 16th album, uh, he came from the Sons of Champlin, and he uh, co-wrote uh, a bunch of great hits. Uh, he had huge hits and uh, award-winning songs for Earth, Wind, and Fire and George Benson and some other people. Um, and then uh, Bill joined Chicago, and he was there for, I think, 29 years. Uh, he was with Chicago, and uh, Bill's a great vocalist and a great songwriter. Uh, but I think that song, Follow Me, that I just played like from Chicago 16 could have easily been on Chicago 5 and, and would have fit in. Like That one didn't really have an 80s. Only production kind of makes it 80s feeling. Um, and then the last one is very 80s sounding, by the way. Uh, this one comes off Chicago 17, which, of course, was when Chicago really came back strong with Hard Habit to Break and You're the Inspiration, Along Comes a Woman, um, Stay the Night. Those were all you know, top 20 hits, uh, top five hits for a couple of them. Uh, and this is called uh, We Can Stop the Hurtin', which was written by Robert Lamb. Uh, and as I'm looking at the six songs that I brought you guys, four of them are written by Robert Lamb and two of them are written by Jimmy Panko. Um, and it's crazy that none of them were written by Peter Cetera, wow. which everybody yeah. really thinks of Chicago being Cetera's band. And if you look at like that's six great songs that he has nothing to do with great bass lines, but 
That's it. Yeah. Uh, so here's that, uh, we could say, listen to this keyboard in the beginning. This is, this is 80. You're going to get hit in the face with a large phone. homelessness guys and how we could uh, we can make a difference by just giving a couple of bucks did they fix that well this song came out in 84 and i haven't heard anything more about it <laughs> so i think we got it man i think we got it covered hey there's hey there's them up in hotels it. now guys i mean the homeless have it better than i do right now <laughs> this dumb guy from the south side of chicago <laughs> Yeah, the, I heard they're what are they, homeless guys got the corona. They put him up at the Holiday Inn. What am I doing? I'm here in my trailer, for Christ's sake. He thinks the Holiday Inn is the fancy hotel. <laughs> yeah, they got it over at the Holiday Inn. It's not even the Express. It's the big one. <laughs> yeah. Idiot. I don't know how much this is. Uh, this was in Chicago or it happens in L.A., but in Indiana, there's a lot of people who do the thing where they're like, oh, that guy on 3rd Street. The guy's making more money than any of us. I'm telling <laughs> yes. you. It's a scam. <laughs> That dude has the nicest house in town. Like they, they come up with the craziest stories for these people. And it's like, well, even if they are, fine. If that's the way they're making a living, I'm fine. He with figured it. out how to do it. What do you matter? <laughs> or even the argument of like, you know, they don't need the money. Oh, they're using their kid. If they're around the corner begging for money, they're in a tough spot. Like, oh, I'm contradicting what you just said, but arguing a different fact. Oh, no, it's true. It is true. It's true. I'm and that does sides. remind me. Guys, we're in a tough spot. If you guys could get on the Patreon, it would mm-hmm. really no, I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. the worst Patreon plug of all time. <laughs> Let's, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling out there, including us. But look, you guys, we are in a, it's weird. We are in a tough time as performers who rely on people paying us yes. to be asking for money while everybody is maybe in a in, in a tough spot at the moment. So. It is weird for you to do that. At the same time, it's like you have to do that because that's how you make a couple of bucks. At the same time, we do have a Patreon, and we appreciate you people's measly sum. That these you people, send our way. They, they give these pittances to us. Um, it all adds up. I know of a homeless guy that's got a mansion. <laughs> He's out there at the corner of a... I can't think of two streets in Bloomington. I panicked. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Maybe a fourth in Walnut. That's where oh, the comedy attic is. In beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. Speaking which, by the way, which, I don't. I don't need to tell you guys this. Comedy Attic is the best in the country. It's the greatest. I, I I will never get tired of hearing it because it's where I started, and I, I remember when that club opened, and it means the world to me that it's there. And speaking of the Comedy Attic, you guys can help the the staff at the Comedy Attic out right now by and help yourselves out if you, especially if you live in Indiana, by going and buying gift cards. It's not even a thing where you're just giving up money. You get something out of it. And the all the money goes to that wait staff. And they're lovely people. And I am telling you, people who are waiting tables and on staffs like that in Bloomington, Indiana, are really struggling right now because there is no backup plan. So, you know, on top of your measly sum that you send us every month, we really appreciate it if you'd send those people some money. 
Uh, well, we got uh, one more segment before we let you go. Sure. We, uh, basically, Tom posts on Facebook, uh, which is a great website that we support here. Yes. And uh, he, he just asked, you know, what do the people think of Chicago? And we'll read you some of the select comments and you can respond uh, how you feel. All yes. right. And yeah, respond to the ones you feel like. If you feel like, hey, that one's not even worth my friggin' time, feel free to skip it. Uh, the first one is from a man named Brian Thompson. We have a comment that says they lost their magic once Peter Cetera left the band. Look, Cetera left in 85. Uh, they had a huge hit in 89 with Look Away and Chicago 19 was huge. I don't know if I disagree with this guy, but if you go see Chicago now live, you're going to be amazed at how great they are. I love it. All right. Gwen Sunkel writes, world's most overrated band. Chicago sounds like Chardonnay being poured into a Tervis tumbler with the words, it's wine o'clock somewhere printed on it. And I I do want to say Jared Thompson already commented on this. What did he say? It can't be if you feel this strongly about Chicago. Wait, oh, it's uh, Gwen also wrote, Jared, this is our first time disagreeing about music. And Jared wrote, it can't be if you feel this strongly about Chicago. It would mean there are many more cracks in your foundation. That um, a boy, Jared. Um, <laughs> here's what I'll say to that. Uh, here I am. I'm on a, I'm on a show called, Def- you know, uh, Stand By Your Band, defending Chicago. I think the least, the last thing Chicago is, is overrated. Like, <laughs> yes. Right. Fair. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. So pour your wine into your gullet and shut it. <laughs> Although I did like her idea of his, it's wine o'clock somewhere. I, with that, I, I, I didn't dislike that turn of phrase, but overrated. Come on. It took him until, you know, uh, 2015 to get in the Rock Hall of Fame. Nobody's thinking of this band. Shut it. You shut your mouth. They do have to. I mean, it is like, what is it, 50 years they hit at some point recently? Of yeah. Being a touring band. That's the craziest thing in the world. From 1967. Yeah. That's uh, it's bananas. But, yeah. uh, you know, enough. I'm sick of hearing about them. They're so damn overrated. All people do is <laughs> talk about this band. Everywhere I go, Chicago this, Chicago that. Enough. One thing that's nice about them is how easy it is to Google them. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, You know what? Uh, you want to even have more fun. Go to setlist.fm to look for setlist by them and just put in Chicago. And then you'll get every, every band that ever played in Chicago's setlist. <laughs> it is a, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's rough, man. Or if you're looking hey, for bootleg tapes or T-shirts put in Chicago, you're screwed. I'm with you, a brother. Fan of the band America, huh? Oh, you're even a worse lot of off. These short-sighted has band names. Uh, Mr. Goldenhair. Fun got, uh, is probably the worst one, I think, for this. Fun, which one? It's just fun. Fun. And period. It's, it's like, the uh, worst band name I think of all time. An original name like Uncle Cracker. That's why. <laughs> um, he's coming back. Incredibly easy to find, and in fact, <laughs> I, I think that "Follow Me" from him is the only one I, uh, people are going to care to hear because it's the one they're going to find. Oh, and it's um, from Uncle Cracker sixteen, which uh, nah. a lot of people didn't realize. It's a nice piece of business. Thank you, sir. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, Willie Griswold writes, Second City had a great sketch about Saturday in the Park that shows how weird those lyrics are. 25 or 6 to 4 is a fun song, and I love how they're part of the movie Clear History. Now, I don't know the movie Clear History, do you, you fellas? The Larry David movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chicago was in it. Mm. Uh, okay. I, I believe, yeah. Right? Aren't they in it? Yeah. Willie, you could have given us any explanation of this uh, Saturday in the Park uh, sketch that could have... Uh, Made it a little more fun. We're not going to do that kind of homework for you, buddy. Matt Alano Martin, co-founder of the of the Limestone the Limestone Comedy Festival in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, 
says the first album, Chicago Transit Authority, is such a great piece of late 60s, early 70s musical wankery. That seems like backhanded uh, compliment. A double album, uh, exclamation, that's somehow a hippie jam freakout uh, with prog rock ambition and structure while also having pop hooks and harmonies. Interesting. Yeah. So an album? (laughs) (laughs) So a late 60s album? You Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't want to just Great. read the negative. So Mike O'Keefe writes, they are fantastic. Damn right, Mike. In Chicago at this moment, who knows better than him? Um, Jason Baldwin writes, I won't say a bad word about Chicago. They were an integral part of the sound of my youth. Uh, Brandon Kirkman writes, here's a thought. They freaking rule, dude. And uh, let's see. Oh, Guy Montgomery, friend of the podcast, writes, they are fantastic. Um, Brandon Ream, I love 80s Satara era Chicago, one of the best sellout moves ever. Interesting. You know, the uh, more I'm hearing this, the more I'm going to start agreeing with that woman. They are a little bit overrated. This is too much praise. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, By the way, if you listen to that CTA album, the one, the one, uh, uh, piece of warning I'll give you is there's a track on there called Freeform Guitar, where it's just Terry Kath playing his guitar and getting a bunch of feedback and making noise. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> that does sound like wankery. It yeah, is that fully sounds like wankery. It really is. It's it, it it is when people talk about the genius of Terry Kath and they go, oh, like freeform guitars. Like, no, no, I I could do that. That's horrible. It's I mean, it's it's horrible. I always preferred uh, ABC Family Guitar myself. I I like to laugh, but I didn't hear a word you said. Somehow it cut out. What did you say? You know, there's a TV channel called Freeform. From ah, uh, you said Family. ABC Family. God damn it, that's a good joke. <laughs> Tommy, oh, Klein was wrong. You do comedy. Uh, Klein was wrong about a lot of things. That's what we've learned today. Uh, we got two more comments here. Okay. Uh, John Hardwick writes, jazz rock or jazz fusion, as Gil and George call it, is hands down my favorite genre of music, and yet Chicago is one of my least favorite bands ever. Peter Cetera is the worst singer in the history of popular music. If not for him, they might be tolerable. That's a very uh, weird take compared to all the other things we've seen. How can this guy say that they, they can barely be tolerable and somebody else says they're overrated? Like it's, <laughs> it's bananas. Uh, our last comment here is from Ben Kim. He writes uh, a song called street. Uh, he's a street player rules and was even sampled for this anthemic house tune. And he left a little link to a song from the bucket heads called the bomb. So yeah. And then, uh, then Pitbull ended up uh, sampling that song for his and, so the, and that was written by Danny, the drummer, uh, street player. It's off Chicago 13. And Danny Servant is a gazillionaire because of the sampling of this song. Wow. Because of so the Pitbull out all right. take on it. Uh, Pitbull did it in that, you know, bah, bah, you know what you want, man. And they just used literally just like that much of the song. But, bah, 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 but you know, like a Chicago idiot like me go, that's Chicago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how uh, it's been. That's their least popular album, but it's probably made them the most money, or at least Danny Surfer the most money. That makes me feel better about him getting ousted. Yeah, he, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Financially, he's fine. at least I, I don't know. Maybe he lost everything in a, in, in two thousand eight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he's doing. All right, boys, we are reaching the close of this very podcast, uh, and now comes. The ratings of the playlist. We rate the playlist that people give us out of six because it is six songs. Jimmy, you put so much work into this. I don't see any way we could leave here 
sleeping well at night without giving this a perfect six out of six. Tommy, what do you think? Uh, 4.5. So <laughs> I'm going to go 4.5. I think that's fair. I think six out of six seems <laughs> condescending and patronizing. Um, I think 4.5, If uh, I'm happy with that. I think it's low, but I, 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 but I get it. You know, I, I love, love dialogue part one. Wasn't crazy about part two. No, it's not going to happen. It's interesting that 4.5 seems too low and 6 is patronizing. So there's this tight window in there that it's very, very like tight window. With. <laughs> yep. You guys would have nailed it with a 5. I wouldn't I would, uh, I would have probably walked away. Um, uh, we we appreciate you coming on so much, Jimmy. Uh, is there anything you want to promote besides never not funny, obviously? That's it. Never not funny. I also do a thing called Jimmy's Records and Tapes which is over on YouTube. Uh, which is at youtube.com slash never not funny. And I did 21 episodes, uh, 1975 through 1995, talking about albums from my record collection that then lead to a story from my life. And uh, people seem to like it, you know, not as many as I'd hoped, but a lot of people, <laughs> people, that, people that like it, like it. I have a feeling the people that listen to this show will love that. So I, I hope uh, you guys check that out. Tommy, is there anything you got to promote in this day and age where there are no more stand-up shows? Yeah, just check out my album, Who's Tommy, on Spotify. And uh, I just want to also echo Tom and say thanks again, Jimmy, so much for coming on. We're huge fans of you, so it meant a lot. Uh, It's my honor. I'm uh, glad you guys finally asked. It's been insulting me that I haven't been asked uh, (laughs) until this week, until we're at a crunch because there's a pandemic. I'll see if Pardo's got some time. Uh, Honestly, when I heard about this show uh, at Limestone and, and Jared was telling me about it, I was like, Jesus Christ, that sounds like a great show. I'd love to be a part of it. Uh, so I, I truly, when I got your email, I was very, very excited. Thanks so much for doing it. We, we're such huge fans, and uh, what an honor. Uh, guys, check out Never Not Funny, and, uh, and we'll see you next week. Keep it crispy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>